You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Thinking about love, we have so many different things that we say we love in life, and uh, I was reflecting on that this week. Our, I'm going to share with you this morning that as we're in our series about what it means to, uh, to experience kind of that spiritual tune up that spiritual renewal in our lives and we've talked about what it means to trust God and to walk in the spirit and to what it means to have God's kingdom as our priority last week and uh, this morning I mean we'd be remiss that basically all of life boils down to Jesus said love God and love people and so for us living our Christian life it, it's really quite simple life gets complicated really quickly doesn't it all the things the moving parts that we have going on and Jesus just had a, a way of cutting through that fog this morning to love God and love people I must confess I'm a little intimidated you know what do you say after that it's like okay everybody love God all right good great you got it let's go home you know a little little challenging I must confess with that I sat down I'm like God I know this verse well I've read it I've memorized it what in the world do you want me to say about what it means to love you and how do we do that I remember the first time I told my wife that I loved her we were not married at the time we were uh, in college together in fact we were at the University of Maine in Orono and and we were walking I don't know if we'd been at the library studying you know how those study things go you know and uh, not, not a lot of studying I think ever really went on at the library for most students and, and we had left and we were I guess kind of walking around the campus and it started to rain and we ducked in under a doorway at Stevens Hall, that picture, you know, old brick building, ivy growing up, I mean, quintessential, you know, Ivy League kind of thing, beautiful arches, and I, I don't remember, we were talking, standing in the doorway, and my wife will tell you that she doesn't ever have to really wonder what I'm thinking, because I'm just, I'm a verbal person, I like, I'm just, I'm a, I just tell you, like, I get in, you know, I can get in trouble that way, I just say it. Sometimes you may sit back like, Sean, that's the dumbest thing in the world. Why did you say that? It's not my fault. I just don't keep my mouth shut. Some of you think it, and you keep your mouth shut, and you stay cool. I'm not that guy. I would be, I'm an interrogator's dream. You know, if I'm ever in trouble sitting at the table, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm, I'm, I have a horrible poker face, and anyway. And I remember there just welling up in my heart just this emotion and just, like overwhelmed. And I just said, I love you for the first time. I, I truly don't remember what she said after that. I guess I got the t-shirt afterwards, you know, we're married. So, I, you know, somewhere along the way, she started, you know, loving me. But what I'm floored with is just truly 30 plus years later that, I, you know, until you kind of live through it, you don't know. But I truly love her more than ever before. And I just, I don't understand how that works. I don't know how. And I just, I'd rather be with her than anybody on this planet. I really don't care what we do as long as I'm with her. I mean, it, you know, just, I'm happy sitting on the couch like we did yesterday, watching a movie and holding her hand. It's just, that just is in there. You know, you just don't work at it. So this whole thing about loving God and loving people, there's a mystery, there's a piece that, that I think really escapes us. There's some tangible things that we know, and I'm going to talk about some of those. But God tells us, commands us, love God and love people. So take your Bible and look with me. Mark chapter 12 this morning. Mark chapter 12. And to, to keep it real, 
That makes me sound like the best husband in the world. And some of you, the romantists are in the room like, oh my goodness, Sean is amazing. I assure you, I am not. I can be a jerk like the rest of us. So just to keep it honest and keep it real, uh, read with me in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. The Bible says this. One of the scribes came up. Jesus is there talking, and he's being debated all the time. I mean, everybody was trying to knock him down, knock him a peg, and all kinds of stuff. So one of the scribes, they were the religious lawyers of the day, he came up, heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, Jesus always knew how to answer people well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? That's significant. The commandments, there's over 600 commandments in the Old Testament. And so the, the leaders would debate it. Hey, which one's the most important? You know, if you wake up and have 600 things on your to-do list, you'd probably go back to bed. You'd probably like, I, yeah, I cannot deal with today. 600 things that to, you got to do to honor God. And so they naturally debated which one's the most important, which one kind of encapsulates them. And, you know, we love to debate stuff and, and all of that today. And they did as well. And so that was a normal conversation. Say, so Jesus... What's your take? Which is the greatest of all? Look what Jesus said in verse 29. Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, right after the giving of the Ten Commandments again in, De in Deuteronomy 5. I mean, without blinking an eye, I know what it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We serve one God, not multiple gods. I'm glad we don't have to pick a God and who's going to win this fight. One God, one in charge, singular focus. And because of that, we should love that one God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And he goes further. He says, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, this is really interesting. This guy, keep in mind, was trying to knock Jesus down a peg, trying to win at a bait, trying to trip him up, trying to, you know, and, and all of that. And the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. It's always good when you agree with Jesus. You kind of start there in life. <laughs> it really is helpful. You're right. You have truly said there that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all of the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. All of that stuff that we're told to do, that is much more important. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Amazing, because this man was a student of the Bible, a lawyer, who was not in the kingdom yet. It's a reminder to us, you can be the most religious godly person, if you will, but not be a follower of Jesus and not really have surrendered your life to Christ. And Jesus said, you're not far. You're open to me. You get that it's not about all these rules, that it's a relationship with God. You get the relationship to people. 
you are close, young man. And by the way, you need to get a little bit closer, a couple more steps, and you'll be okay. I want to share with you just simply this morning what it means to love God and to love people in our lives, that we're challenged. Everything that we do in our life boils down to those two things. Everything that Jesus told the Jewish nation and the people of God, He gave them all of this stuff to simply love God, to love people. Turn to the New Testament. What does Jesus tell us to, to do? To love God and to love people. Much like all the other things we're talking about as we think about a spiritual tune-up, they're either yes or no. You're either trusting God or you're not. In this moment, in this very area of your life, this very focus today, right now, you're either trusting God or you're not. You're either prioritizing God's kingdom or you're not. You're either walking in the Spirit or you're not. You're either loving God or you're not. You're either loving people or you're not. There's not nearly that much gray area in the middle of this. Some of you like creative and you like to color the lines and all of that, and there's a time and a place for that, but in this area of your life, it's either or. You know, a bridge halfway to the across the Hudson gets you nowhere. <laughs> so you either can get there or you don't. It's one of those kinds of things in life. And so we are loving God and we are challenged to love Him. Now, no, I want you to notice first and foremost that we are to love Him absolutely. I've got several A's in here to kind of help you give some things to hang your hat on, if you will, some things to think about in your soul. But we are to love God absolutely. When Jesus says that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all of our strength, He's not trying to take an exacto knife razor blade and surgically scalpel all the different parts of our being. There's some overlap in what all of these things mean, okay? But what He is saying to us is that no matter what, in all, every fiber of your being, you are to love God. We are more than just our bodies. We are more than just even our brains and what we think. When we go to counseling and, and therapists, they can be helpful. They can help us think through some things. When we go to life coaches, they can help us along the way. But one thing that's generally missed in the secular world around us is that we have a soul. We are a spiritual being created in the image of God, that God made us to relate to Him, and we're going to worship something, and it's more than just what we're thinking and kind of getting things squared away, and it's more than just physically, but we have a soul that matters, and we're to love God with every fiber of that being. It is, it is, we're to be more like the marathon runner, who enters into the Olympics only after they have spent hours upon hours upon hours of their life training for years. You don't get up in the middle of January when it is cold and snowing and go run 20 miles for fun. Not at least if you're a normal person. Normal people don't do that. Normal people do other things like sleep in. You, you don't all of a sudden wake up one day and find yourself qualifying for the Olympic team. The only way you get there is because you've leaned into it physically. You've learned to discipline your body, what you eat and what you train, and you've learned to manage your time, the priority of life. You've leaned into it and when you aren't feeling like it, and you're not feeling well, and you're, you've learned to push through fatigue and all that, and when you're in the middle of running the race, your brain somewhere along the line says, I've had enough. My foot hurts. My, my knee hurts. Why are you doing this? And you tell yourself, because this is fun. No, you, you probably say, because I want this. Your will kicks in and says, this is important. I'm going to do this. 
And this is what Jesus is telling us. It is a Christian life that we have to have that attitude, that our life is in, in many ways a lot closer to that reality than just an unintentional, lazy, apathetic, or whatever spiritually, but we are to lean into our whole life loving God. It's not something that we just do accidentally. You don't, you don't all of a sudden just by sitting on your couch catch fish. You, you know, I'm not a very good fisherman, but my kids will tell you I've got a saying. Our chances of catching fish go up demonstrably if we just get in a boat and put something in the water. You know, they're, they're not swimming underneath my bed. You know, we might actually have a chance to do something. You don't accidentally do most things in life, and you don't accidentally love God. I must admit, at that stage when I told my wife I loved her, I don't remember trying to love her. It just kind of happened, you know? If I kind of look back and think about that aspect of love, and there's an emotional part of that too, and we ought to love God, not it's not all work. Sometimes we boil the Christian life down and almost like, oh, it's just so work, and I'm suffering, I'm doing all that. And there is some aspects that we need to push through. But it ought to be, more, at times, the emotional, like, I just am so overwhelmed by the love of God, of how He's taking care of me. It ought to touch our soul. But early in, in that, as I think about my relationship with my wife, I didn't work at it. It just kind of happened. I just, you know, just we talk about it, right? We fall in love. You don't accidentally fall into a hole, or you don't on purpose fall into a hole. You accidentally fall. But... But then I noticed because I did begin falling in love, I began making some choices and decisions in life of where I spent my time and what I did with my priorities. And I began to readjust some things toward that which I loved. And now as I look back 30 plus years later, I think the love that I experience today is not so much the lead thing, but the following thing, the lag thing is that that the choices I make and the decisions I make and the, the attitudes of my heart and all of those things of how we, you know, I reflect on life, those things are what produce that love, if you will. That's why people often say, well, I just, we have fallen out of love. You really don't fall out of love. You just stop making those choices and those decisions and taking those actions. And if you do that, of course you're not going to love that person anymore. Uh, that actually comes you know, much later on. But we're to lean in absolutely in every way to, to love God with all that we are, with everything in our, in, in, in our life. So that means, much as, my, as what I shared with you guys, is that we love Him absolutely, but it means we need to give Him our attention. He needs to be our focus consciously. There is a conscious decision daily in your life to think about God, to focus upon Him, to put Him in the middle of it. You see, we begin to fall away from God and fall out of love with God, fall out of obedience to God when we just start stop thinking about Him. Or we haven't started thinking about Him in a particular area of our life. Often, if you're a newer believer, you kind of think about God here, but it's almost like you've still got this door locked and you kind of haven't let God into that area. What you don't know is that God's already there. <laughs> you just think that you've kind of closed it and He's hidden off. No, He's already there. But we need to give Him attention in our life. You see, what we spend time with is what we love. 
What we get to know is what we love. Think more maybe if you've got something that you really enjoy doing, maybe a hobby. I always pick on the, the, the working out thing because I'm not a big work out guy, but maybe you really do enjoy that. And you've, you know, you're in your area, I don't care whether it's, you know, it's, it's lifting or, you know, if it's running or whatever, but you've studied it, you've leaned into it, you know the stuff and you can talk all about it. As you spend time in that, there in your heart, you begin to love that. And you begin to have an affection for it. And that's a good thing. It's an okay thing. We talked about last week, right? Keep your priorities straight. Kingdom of God first. And we're going to enjoy things. God gave us this life to enjoy as a reflection of Him. But it means for us to love God means we must give God our undivided, our singular attention that there's one God in this life, in this world, and He deserves our attention. He deserves our focus. You can't focus on two different things at the same time. I like to shoot uh, archery and shoot bows. And any archer will tell you, you've got a, if, if, if they're using a sight, there's a pin that they look at. And so you're looking at this sight to know where to line the bow up and hold it, but you're also looking at your target. And your eye cannot bring two things into focus at once. And if you really geek out, there's strategies about what to do. What I've learned is that I don't focus on my pen. I look at the target, and my, my eye-hand coordination just kind of settles in, and I shoot better that way. You can't focus on two different things at the same time. It's impossible. And so our focus has got to stay resolutely on God, not that we just sit around and don't do anything, and I'm just going to kind of think God, think God, think God. That's, that's dumb. The world thinks that that somehow is helpful in all kinds of psychological stuff. No, it's in the middle of you living regular life. Where's God in this? Where's God in this? How's God working in this? And we focus. We put our attention on Him in the, the normal pieces of life. So it's an it's a absolute thing that we do. It's an attention thing. It's an appreciation. As we put our focus on God... We begin to realize, oh my goodness, God, you're taking care of me. Oh my goodness, God, you've done all these amazing things and you've worked and done all of this so well. There's a, a welling up in our heart of a thank you, of a gratitude toward God. Because as you focus on Him, you're going to appreciate Him. And there's, we need to be careful because so often we treat God just kind of our, our wealthy aunt, you know, who wants to give us stuff. I hope you have one of those. I'd like to have one of those. If you don't have one of those, I'd be glad to be that one for you. All right? Um, give me an application, whatever. I'll sign up to be, you know, your, your adopted uh, poor nephew. But sometimes we treat God like that, that we just go to Him to get stuff and need stuff. Now, it's okay. I don't want to make you feel guilty like I'm always going to God praying for stuff. We, by definition, are needy people. People are needy. We, we have such needs. We don't live very long without resources taking care of us. I mean, go to the very basic, whether we're talking food or water or whatever. We are just, we are frail and fragile and needy people. But our appreciation for God should move beyond the stuff. And we really need to appreciate God for who He is. And not just the things. We go to Him, not just for the stuff, but we go to Him for Him. And so... That appreciation, I believe, grows into an attitude of our heart where it becomes the motivation of everything that we do in our life. 
You see, it's hard. Sometimes we talk about, well, I'm going to serve God today and I'll do this, you know, I'm do church, whatever. And we have these different compartments and buckets in our life, kind of like trying to clean your attic or your garage or the kitchen. And certain things go into this bucket, certain things here. And, and what Jesus is doing is he's taking rid, he's getting rid of all of those divisions and separations. There's one God and our whole life ought to be a reflection to love God. And when that becomes our attitude and we get there because we spend time with Him and we focus and begin putting our attention there and we appreciate and we begin to more and more grow, then that attitude grows in our heart to where everything is a reflection as we begin living our life is a reflection of that love. And when we do that, then we're able to actually do the hard things in life. See, every week you do hard things. You do difficult things in life. Every week you do things at work that are difficult for you. Those things actually become easier when your relationship with God is growing where it ought to be because then those difficult things you do are actually you're doing them for God out of gratitude and love for Him and not your really jerky boss or not the ridiculous thing that you know is absolutely the stupidest thing in the world you shouldn't have to be doing, but you have to do it anyway just because somebody says or whatever. And you end up saying, God, this is really hard for me to do for them. But God, I'm doing this for you. When your attitude becomes more that your whole life is just a reflection of loving God, it becomes easier to do the hard things. It becomes easier to put up with the junk with somebody in a, in a relationship that's not where it ought to be, not where you want to be. And you can put up with that junk more because God... I'm at least going to do this for you because I love you. And that becomes the overall attitude of our heart. You see, our whole life is to be lived out. That's what Paul said in Romans 12.1, is I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to give yourselves as a living sacrifice, to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Our whole life is to be a sacrifice to God, to be lived out, and honoring and worshiping for Him. And out of that attitude, then it becomes a very thing that we do. Our love for God is actionable. It is stuff that we do. We do go to church on Sundays to connect with other people, but to worship God. And we reorient our finances, and we, we become generous in our life. We reorient our time, and we become generous with, with our time, that it just it changes everything because we love God. But it starts with choices that just begins to filter through and throw, flow through in every area of our life so that our, our life becomes that trajectory that everything is out of that overflow for Him. Let me share with you the second thing. If we love God, it's natural for us to love people. The loving God is because He loved us. He's our God. He entered into a relationship with us through sending His Son Jesus to die on the cross. And it's through that crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate this. Well, we celebrate it every day, but we especially focus this time of year. That's how we love Him. because We love Him because He first loved us and sent His Son Jesus to die for us. And out of that, it's natural that if we love God, that we love what God loves. And what God loves is people. He loves people. We are the crowning piece of His creation. 
I love the outdoors. I love the world. You guys know that. But that's not what God loves the most. God's heart doesn't break when the sparrow dies. Nearly what, you know, you might. God's heart breaks for people. And so he tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. I don't know where it began or how it began, but somewhere along the line, it's become really popular in Christian teaching. It's, oh, we do need to love our neighbor as ourselves, And the way we start by doing that is by loving ourselves first. Can, can I just tell us, we need to all be really careful about Christian over-popular psychobabble. That is not what this verse is saying. This verse is assuming that we love ourselves. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Like you already are loving yourself. You don't need to put more attention on loving yourself. Love your neighbor like you naturally do and want to love yourself. That's The problem with the world is not that we don't love ourselves enough. It's that we love ourselves too much. and <laughs> We are told to love other people the way we are already Loving ourselves. Jesus, or not, excuse me, not Jesus, Paul the Apostle said when he's talking to Ephesians 5, tells us about husbands and wives. He says, you know, husbands, love your wife like yourself and sacrifice for her because nobody ever yet hated their own bodies, their own flesh. We love it. Take care of your wife and sacrifice for it the way that you would yourself. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Sean, well, what about, you know, various things? Like, what about people who are battling with anorexia or eating disorders that, you know, they're not loving their bodies when they're putting their bodies through those things? And I am the first to tell you I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trained in all of that. And so I want to always be very careful to know my lane, stay on that lane. And, but at the same time, I also know the gospel of Jesus speaks powerfully and profoundly into what we think and what we feel and what we do uh, in the middle of that. But uh, in the middle of those, dis those eating disorders, in the middle of those challenges and things, I want us to recognize that along the way, from what it seems to me is that people are not, not, they don't like their life. They're trying to get control of it and they're trying to get their bodies in line and it comes out in an unhealthy way. But it's not really a self-hate kind of thing. They're trying to control things that are naturally that they're struggling to work through. And most of us, it comes out. It's just sin just so permeates our life. And with all of us, it comes out in different ways. And we're trying to get things under control in different ways. But at the end of the day, we love ourselves. We, we want our lives to be better. We want our lives to be different. We want, we want to experience things. That's, that's kind of the standard. And what Jesus is challenging us in the middle of it is that we need to, to, to love our neighbor. So I, I do want to just briefly, as I watch my clock myself, there is a piece of our life as Christians that we need to be careful to have soul care in our life. You see... We know that our Lord Jesus told us if anyone would come after Him, that we should take up our cross daily and follow Him, that we would die to ourselves and follow Jesus. That doesn't mean that you need to ignore the needs of your soul. I want to be careful here because we indulge things a lot, and we use a lot of things or excuses to why we do things we shouldn't do. But let me take a simple one. If you fall and break your arm and you don't realize it, and your arm hurts, 
It's natural and normal to go to somebody, to go to a doctor and get it reset in a cast. And it's natural to protect it and to take care of it. Our souls go through trauma just like our physical bodies do. It's normal. It's okay. So we need to be careful and we need to be, you know, along that way to get the help that we need and to, to, to experience, you know, God's healing in our soul. I'm not saying, I'm not, I want to make clear that I'm not saying, well, just suck it up and deal with it and march on, soldier, you know, with these kinds of things in our life. We need the soul care, but most often the soul care that we're looking for, we try it without God. Soul care really comes by turning and reflecting back to God and His goodness to us and spending time with Him. He's the healer, the repairer. It comes back reflecting with Him. It's engaging in relationship, godly Christian relationships that speak in and help us and with all of that. Sometimes it's it's taking time alone and reflecting with God. And we live in such noisome lives that we don't you know, have that time. And so, so I'm not saying to ignore that. But along the way, we need to find our care from Him in those things and stop relying on other stuff that leads us down to those disorders, that leads us down to the places where we need therapy and all of that. And we need to reflect and, and have more of a healthy approach to it. But what Jesus does tell us working through all of that, that our goal in life is to love God and to love people like we naturally want to be loved and like we do love ourselves. We should care for people. At the end of the day, it's what people that matters. It, it means that we spend time not giving just attention to God, but we give attention and help to people. Because we're needy, folks. We hurt. And we carry aches and pains in our souls. I'm thankful our souls don't age per se, you know, as best as I can tell, like our bodies do. But our souls, every one of us, have experienced years of sin and the trauma and relationship damage and all of that. And we should slow down to help one another. That's why he tells us to love people, because we need each other deeply. The idea that we can live a a Christian life that's healthy and fulfilled apart from one another is just, it's a fallacy. It's not real. It's very not, it's naive at best, prideful at worst, that we are all deeply needy. We were talking a little bit, a couple of us were talking a little bit about this yesterday, but it's so much easier to help other people than it is to receive help from other people. Is it not? It might be more blessed to give than to receive, but it's a whole lot more humbling to receive than to give. And we like to be on that giving in because we've got it all together and all of that. And what Jesus is telling us subtly, maybe not so subtly, yeah, that's not reality. You need each other. And you need to be showing love to each other. And just like we, when our bodies tell us, ow, that hurts, <laughs> we get a little owie on our finger, <laughs> You put a little band-aid on it, our soul gets owies. And it's okay. Just like a little child, even just this morning, a little boy this morning, a little Brandon had his little owie, his little band-aid this morning. And um, it's natural for us to share with one another and say, I got an owie, but it's on the inside. 
And we ought to be able to be okay with it. It can be as simple as just, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I care about you. Simple as those things. Or it can be more involved in walking through some bigger stuff. But as a church family, that's who we ought to be. I don't, I, I really struggle hard. I think I've shared this before and some of you know it, but I've been in churches before. I've been in Bible studies before where all the questions are just, they're, they're Jesus type questions. By that, it's like the answer is Jesus. And like every, even a, sec, a two-year-old knows the answer is Jesus. And everybody just talks about stuff they know and the right answers. And it's kind of superficial up here. I just, I don't like those kinds of things, to be real honest with you. I'm not saying that our small groups and all of our conversations, we ought to all walk out the door crying and falling apart and just, you know, in all of this world. I'm not saying that either. But there ought to be some realness and some level of openness that's appropriate for those groups. Because we need each other. And our Lord told us to love each other. And that doesn't just mean to give that love, but that means to be open enough to receive it and to say, yeah, I'm hurting. Yeah, I need help. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a needy soul. I not only love God for what God has done, and I go to Him because I need Him, but I'm going and I'm with you. I need help with you. And so our Lord tells us, guys, that to, you can't not live a healthy Christian life without loving Him. And loving people in the middle of that, clearing our schedules, doing the things that we need to do to genuinely let that flow out of our life. So I don't know exactly where you are this morning in your spiritual walk. I do know that we've come through some difficult days as a whole. That's not to say that you didn't have difficulties in your life before COVID or that you won't afterwards. But in these last couple of years have been really hard for everybody. And if we're being really honest with ourselves, it's been hard to love people in the middle of it because lots of opinions have flown around and why are they doing that and why this and why not? And we just, and you're all in a family. Families get that way sometimes, right? I'm hoping my family's not the only weird one that you know, that stuff surfaces, whether it's Thanksgiving or whatever. And even though you love each other, you get cranky. And you just, yeah, you just start whatever. And relationships get that way. And this spiritual tune-up is just for us is to say, let God speak into our soul and say, hey, are we really loving people the way they need to be? Are we really being grace givers in the middle of that? Are we really genuinely reaching out? Are we opening ourselves up and say, how are you doing today? Yeah, not that well. Not that great. And it's okay. It's, it's, we ought to be that way. We ought to care for one another to give ourselves that time and that attention. As a church, as we've gone through COVID, before COVID hit, we would be here talking literally. You could be here almost an hour after the service. There would still be people here talking, sharing, because they, not, they genuinely liked each other. I've watched over the last year or two. We run out the door fast, gang. And, um, and if you've got an appointment after this service, I am not putting you on a guilt trip. But my heart as a pastor grieves because I know relationships are lagging deeply 
where as before COVID, they didn't not so much. And I think we're in a season of life of needing to put those relationships back together with our groups and even time together. And, and on top of it, there's some, a lot of newer folks in the service. You're, in fact, if you've been to River here the first time in the last couple of months, you probably don't know it, but the people next to you are probably just about as new as you. You just don't realize it. Um, there's just been a lot of you know new things and turnover. but And it takes time to have those relationships, but they're important. And that's what our groups are all about. And that's what even time after our service is. And so, however God has been speaking to your heart this morning, it really boils down. Even if you missed all the other stuff we've talked about in the series, do you love God? And are you actively leaning in and breaking a sweat to love people? It comes down to those two things, guys. Very, very simply. So I'm going to ask our team to come up. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to pick one of those and to pick one thing that you feel like God has leaned into your heart this morning that you need to do. Maybe you've become a little distant from people, a little scared, a little fear, whatever, and that's okay. We're in the middle of a pandemic. But maybe you need to reach out somehow and open yourself. Or maybe you are hurting and you need to talk with someone. Do that. The soul care is not just something we do ourselves. It's something that we need for each other and engage with a person or two. And if there's nobody, talk to at least one of the pastors and we'll, we'll begin talking with you and help you and help you get connected. But respond to what God is speaking to your heart this morning. Pray with me, would you? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm so grateful that you loved us, that he loved us by giving his life on the cross for us. And Lord, it's challenging the things that we're told. We're told to make love a choice. <laughs> and so often we're conditioned to think it just happens, and it doesn't. We have to lean into it. We have to work at it. We have to put our heart and our soul into it. Lord, help us to do that with you. Forgive us when we don't, when we take you for granted and neglect you. Help us to grow in that area. And Father, out of that, help us to love people the way you did. Because when we love you, you're urging us on and drawing us to show that same love to others. Lord, we want to be that kind of church, just simply, that loves you and loves people, that loves Christ, that loves our church, that loves one another, and loves our communities. Father, help us to do that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.